Well, um, you guys are in a series on the fruits of the Spirit, these gifts that God gives us. And I grew up, my parents were missionaries, and we did not have a lot of money growing up. And so I, to this day, am a person who has a hard time saying no to a free gift. Maybe some of you are like me. That's why you guys have the Tilly here, right? Do they still have free bins? I know, they used to have free bins. That's why I had to move away. If you come to my house, underneath my sink, there's this Rubbermaid that's full of tiny little shampoo bottles. It's not because I need them. It's not because I'm ever going to use them, but they're free, right? Free stuff is the best. And yet sometimes, even a free gift is not so good. I just want you to think with me back to all the gifts you've been given to maybe one gift that you did not actually want. One gift. I know when mine was. I was 30. It came from my aunt. And she knew just what every 30-year-old wants. A 3D picture of golden retriever puppies. Very bizarre. <laughs> I had this spot on my wall just waiting for this picture, right? No, I didn't want this. And yeah, actually, I, when I was thinking about it, that wasn't the worst gift I got that year. My, my husband's uncle handmade me a teddy bear, which sounds really sweet. He made it out of his mother's old bathrobes, okay? <laughs> Yes, and it, it looked exactly like you imagine it, which is why I could not bring it here to show you because it was very creepy and I threw it out. I did not want that gift, right? There are some gifts and we say, why would you give me that? Why would you give me that? And this one, it was so bizarre that we decided we had to share it. So this became the gift that in our small group, we pass around when no one's expecting it. So for the last six years now, we, we, we send this to one another. It's, it's been given to doctor's offices to give to their patients. It's been taped on people's ceilings above their beds. It's been sent in the mail. It's become the best worst gift. It's awesome. We love this puppy picture. Now, why am I talking about this? Because this week we're talking about patience. And patience is the best worst gift. Because it is the gift that you would not choose. You think of the first three. Love, joy, peace. You can't get too much peace. Too much joy. But patience. You know, nobody says you know, sometimes I just go out in the middle of rush hour traffic just so I can sit there and wait. <laughs> I, I should probably explain that reference. Traffic is this thing that happens when you actually have traffic lights in, in the place where you live. I know that illustration's a little bit lost on Three Hills, but you'll forgive me. Nobody likes patience. We don't like to wait. Now, I used to be this kid. I was kind of a whirlwind kid. I was always coming and going fast. And one day, my mom said to me, she said, Julie, patience is a virtue, right? She's a good mom. And I was snippy, and I snapped back, and I said, well, it's not my virtue. 
And as I've thought back to that many times, I think that could be said of our entire culture. Patience is not our virtue. Jacques Ellul is a philosopher from the last hundred years, and, and he says the highest virtue of our culture is efficiency, which is a nice word for not having to be patient, right? Getting rid of patience. That's what technology is so much about. How can we get it done faster? Faster, faster. How can we not have to wait? And yet, for all of life, people have had to wait. People had to wait for fresh fruit until the harvest came. But now we've got technology that enables us to, you can eat that apple anytime you want. Or even blackberries, right? We don't have to wait. Who needs patience? Or I remember I used to have a pen pal. That's someone that you write letters back and forth to. Actual letters, right? And I remember going to the mailbox and being so disappointed because it wasn't there yet. And nowadays, we think we're patient if we wait for those three little dots on our cell phone to turn into a text message, right? Who needs patience? Or it used to be that people would wait expectantly to gaze on the naked image of their spouse one day. But with pornography or pretty much any media out there, who needs patience? We don't have to wait. My husband and I, we were doing pre-marriage counseling for a couple, a great Christian couple, and, and they, they asked us honestly, they said, I know God's asked us to wait, but, but is there really any value in waiting when we're already committed to each other? Do we really need Patience. You know, so much of our life has actually been robbed of the experience of patience that we've almost lost the meaning of the word itself. I think of, you know, a minor inconvenience. Like the other day, my, my phone died when I was talking to my parents. I quickly plugged it in and I had to wait. <laughs> Right? You have to wait until it charges just a speck and you can quickly call them back. And I thought, okay, I'm being patient. Right? The root of the word patience has a much more troubling, deeper meaning. It means to suffer. Patience means to suffer. That's why the King James translation says it's long-suffering. Doesn't that sound like a good gift? Oh boy, you got me long-suffering. It says on the tag, the type of suffering that doesn't go away quick, you, you keep it for a long time. Isn't that the gift you want from God? It's the gift we would never choose. And you know, even many Christians today, we don't even consider it to be a gift, we call it a curse. There's a whole branch of, of Christians that actually say, you know, God wants to make you healthy and wealthy and beautiful and all the other fruits of the Spirit, but not suffering. That's, God wouldn't give you suffering. And if you're suffering, maybe you just need to pray more or have a little more faith. I went to a friend's wedding once and she, um, her wedding vows were in health and in healing in wealth and prosperity. 
She didn't think God gave the sort of gifts that you might not want. And a year later, I, I ran into her and I said, oh, how are things going? And she said, actually, we were in the middle of uh, filing for divorce. I said, what happened? And she said, she just talked about their anger. They could not stop being angry towards one another. And she said, we just, we just had to call it quits. Galatians 5, right before that part about the fruits of the Spirit, has a list of sins. And fits of rage is the counterbalance to patience. You know how sociologists are describing our age? An age of rage. You think of the last few years from politics to vaccinations to little snippets on social media. What are we so angry about? You know, people throughout all of history and most of the world today look on us and say, you guys have it made. You have every comfort. Why are you so angry? Because the slightest discomfort, the slightest interruption in our plans, that person who irritates us, and we're either ready to fight it off or, or we're ready to run away from it as fast as we can. We hate discomfort. We don't have patience for patience. And I'm not suggesting that it's comfortable being in an uncomfortable situation. It isn't. But the struggle with the gift of patience is to know if you're growing in it, you have to experience something for a long time. Time. An example, remember when the Israelites had left Egypt and Moses, their leader, goes up the mountain and they're there stuck waiting. And they think, oh, we're a little vulnerable here, but we're okay, we can be patient. You know, they didn't build the calf on the first day. They were patient until... Exodus 32 says this, it says, but when they saw that Moses was so long in coming down, as soon as the discomfort started to last a longer time, they're immediately going to Aaron saying, okay, Aaron, how fast can you get us a new God? We're ready to move past this, right? And we can laugh at them you know, 40 days and they're building a false God. And yet 40 days is actually a pretty long time to not react when something has caused you to become fearful or uncomfortable. If we had a 40 day wait period for social media, think of what our world would be like. It'd be a lot nicer of a place. Patience isn't our virtue. And yet it's central to the character of God. Because right after this story happens, God responds by revealing his character. And he says five things. He said he's compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Slow to anger. King James translates that, long-suffering. In Hebrew, it's a little bit of a different picture. It says, long-nostrilled. 
which is kind of bizarre. We don't often picture God as having this big, long nose. But if you think of a cartoon, you know, when a cartoon character gets uncomfortable or frustrated and you see steam coming out their ears, right? The Israelites had that same picture, only it was coming out the nose. And God is a God who it takes a long time for the steam to come out his nose. He can suffer it a long time. And the Bible gives us all sorts of powerful images of God's long suffering. You've got Hosea, who's told to marry a prostitute and put up with her philandering for a long time. And God says, that's what I'm like. I suffer it. Or Ezekiel's asked to lay on his side, such a bizarre story, for 390 days. And God says, that's what I've done. I've waited for 390 years while you were unfaithful to me. Or the picture of, of a crucified God who suffers at the hands of his own creatures. And these images stand out to us. They're the reason why we, why we worship him because he's so not like us. But they're dangerous images because if, if we want to be formed in his image, that's the image we need to be formed in. And throughout all of Christian history, many, many Christians have looked on things like sickness or pain or even famine or plague, and they've said, these can actually be sometimes gifts from God. Gifts to form us in the image of Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I often think of sickness as something to immediately pray against or to quickly take medicine so that I do not have to experience it anymore. I either fight against it or I run from it. Yet the ancient people often saw it as a test. Who likes tests? There's <laughs> probably someone in this room who likes them. And you're probably just a super smart person. And so we usually don't like you very much because tests are annoying. We don't like tests. <laughs> Nobody likes tests. Why do we get given tests? We get given tests to see where we are lacking in our skill, our knowledge, our ability. It's a test. It's how ancient people saw it. And they saw it this way because they read, the, they, they did not read. They spoke the Lord's Prayer every day, multiple times a day. The Lord's Prayer used to be said in all of our schools every day. And now it's a prayer that even Christians, we, we hardly even pray it once a week. But this prayer has a line that says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation. That word has two meanings. It means a trick or a test. We know God does not trick us. So then why we pray, God, don't trick us. If you're not going to trick us anyway, you're not going to tempt us. And we know God does test us. And so if we pray, God, don't test us, he's going to anyways, because he's good, Right? So what, is, what are we really praying here? One of my professors named Daryl Johnson, he said, it means something like this. We're saying, God, deliver us from the enemy 
who would turn a test into a temptation. Something that's meant for our good and to twist it. Martin Luther, he said, if God can't make you sin, or if if the enemy can't make you sin, he'll sway you by making you wait a long time. He'll turn a test into a temptation. And yet the purpose of our testing is clear. James 1. Some of you maybe know these verses. I hope you know these ones. These are good ones to learn. It says, the testing of your faith produces patience, endurance, perseverance, being able to wait a long time. Then it says, but let patience have its perfect work so that you may be perfect or mature, complete, lacking nothing. It's the best worst gift because we wouldn't choose it because it's, it's forming us to be like a God who has scars. And our God's not interested in making us healthy and wealthy. He's interested in making you perfect and complete, lacking nothing. What is testing your patience right now? What is inconvenient in your life? What is making you wait? I want to close with, I have a sister who used to work here at Prairie. She worked in the nursing area, and her husband was a pilot. He worked at the, at the airport here, and, and they felt called to go to missions. And uh, when they applied, they got their posting, which said Congo. And I don't know if you know anything about Congo, but right on the application, it said hardship posting, which basically means Long suffering, okay? They knew it was not going to be easy. They knew they were going to be faced with racism and terrible weather and having to learn a language and all sorts of problems, crime. They knew it was not going to be easy, but they did not know it was going to be so hard. And what was hard about it is that what my sister did not expect is that instead of getting to use her nursing, instead of helping people, instead of telling people about Jesus, most of her days, because of the cultural dynamics, are her stuck at home while her husband is away for weeks at a time. And last time they were back here on furlough, I, um, I took her for a, a nature walk. I thought it'd be so nice. And I took her out, and we just got started. And my sister's panting. She's out of breath. And I was like, Jacqueline. (laughs) I said this to her. I said, do you not get out for walks? And she looked at me, and she said, Julie, between the weather, the pollution, and the crime, the only place I have to walk is either in my house or in my yard. And I thought, oh, But the worst part for her, she said, she had the worst part has been, you know, people call me a missionary and I don't know what they imagine my days are like, but she said, most of my days I I try and keep busy, but I'm sitting around at home and I read books and I I feel like I am just wasting my time. And she said, if I would have known it would have been like this, I would not have come. And during her time at my house, She was there a couple days. 
I experienced my sister to have changed so dramatically because my sister outserved me at a ratio of three to one in my own home. She was so kind and attentive to my kids, her own kids. It was like the sister that I had grown up with had completely changed and somehow become so full of the spirit. And I was so impacted by it that after she left, I called her and I said, Jacqueline, I know you think that you're wasting time. But God is using this to form you into a beautiful person. He's making you look like himself. And he will use you whenever he's ready because you look like Jesus. She would not have chosen it. She wouldn't have chosen it, and yet she embraced it. That's what it means to keep in step with the Spirit. In the work of patience, when we experience discomfort, it's natural to want to fight against it or to run away from it, to take back control. And what I wish is, I wish I could have come to you today with this awesome story of how, you know, long suffering has made me into this wonderful person in my life. But I had to use the example of my sister because, because the work that God is doing in my own heart in patience right now, I keep trying to take back control. I'm like the Israelites, I last 40 days, and then I'm like, okay, I'm gonna figure this out now. I've waited long enough. Keeping in step with the Spirit means we, we do what Jesus did where we say, God, we want you to maybe take this away from us. Would you take it? But if you won't, what does he say? Jesus says, not my will, but yours be done. And he suffers it. And I want to ask you, is there something in your life that God might be using right now to perfect you, to complete you, to form you in his image, something you wouldn't choose. Maybe you're wanting a spouse one day or looking for direction in your life or maybe you're suffering something physical. If you don't have something right now, I know you know someone who's suffering something. And the enemy would love to turn a test into a temptation. As we quiet our hearts, I'd ask you to just bow your heads for a moment. I want to pray for us. God, you are so good that you give us gifts that we would not ask for. And thank you that you choose to fill us with your spirit through the gift of long suffering. And Lord, I pray for these students as they sit here in this room, that if there's something in their life that you are wanting to form in them your good character, would you help them to, in their hands, release it to you and say, not my will, but yours be done. Would these students become people who look like Jesus and are able to actually bless the world that you choose to send them out into? in your time. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.